Hi everybody, this is Jeremy. My wife Candace and I are the pastors at the Ridge Assembly at Park Hill. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message connects with you, that inspires you, reveals God's word of truth in your life. Be encouraged and enjoy the message. And I want to look at the Gospel of John this morning, uh, chapter 12. I want to read just one verse uh, because... Uh, the prayer that I prayed this week, Pastor Jeremy, is over and over and over is for the Holy Spirit to help us decrease that Jesus may increase and that we could get a real fresh glimpse of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, I felt impressed to share out of John chapter 12, and I want to just read uh, one verse there the same the Greeks who had come the, the backdrop of this story is uh, the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead which is a which is a biggie <laughs> I mean by that I mean that's that's pretty pretty big and it had gotten the Pharisees all in an uproar because the whole crowd was going after Jesus you know, this is totally nothing to do with my sermon, but I've thought this before. You know, Jesus raised that uh, that widow of Nain's son from the dead, and he was young, and so some of the, some of the naysayers probably said, ah, he wasn't really dead, just swooned. <laughs> and Jairus' daughter, she was just 12 years old, and they probably said, ah, she was just comatose, wasn't really dead. <laughs> I think Jesus, when he heard about Lazarus, said, I'm going to show y'all. <laughs> I'm going to wait this dude dead four days before I go <laughs> He may not have thought that, but anyway, he had raised Lazarus from the dead, and it had gotten everybody all stirred up. But here's the point. There were some Greeks that had come to the festival, and after they had seen the power of the Lord, they said what I think we need to do today. And they said this, Sir, we would see Jesus. And could you pray with me? that before we conclude here this morning and you face the realities that we all face, that we could have the Holy Spirit just make Jesus so big and so bright and so real in our lives. Wouldn't you like to just get a fresh vision of him today? Seeing all and hearing all and knowing all that is in the backdrop of our world. I could tell you a lot of things in the Scripture, but I don't know of anything that would be more significant or important than for me to just tell you above all I think we need to do today is to get a fresh glimpse of Jesus so would you begin to pitch your mind toward the conclusion of this service that I want I mean would help me and say like me I, I want Jesus to be made so real in my life and in this room today that he will be bigger than any and everything that I am facing and that we are facing collectively and corporately and together. And so to uh, do that, I would like to offer you four little cameos, four little instances, if you will, in the Scriptures of where someone really got a dramatic, dynamic, fresh vision of Jesus. A couple of them from the Old Testament and a couple of them from the New, if time permits, where someone who was facing something really saw Jesus. I like what you said, Pastor. We're all facing Jesus. Some of us didn't maybe raise our hand, like you said, but the Lord will forgive us for that because we all face things. 
And so I would like to present to you today by the power of the Holy Spirit that you could see Jesus more realistically when you face challenges that you just can't seem to conquer. Now, I don't know about you, but there's some things in my life it seems like the faster I pedal my little tricycle, the behinder I get. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and I would give to you in the Old Testament an example of Joshua, who most theologians believe what he and who he saw there was a pre-incarnate Christ or a Christ that was on, presented to the earth before he had a body as a babe in Bethlehem. And the reason most of them substantiate that is probably true is that when Joshua bowed to worship him, he didn't make Joshua stop. All other angels would say, don't do that. I'm an angel. I'm not. So if it is realistic to assume and to believe that when Joshua, how many of you know Joshua had a tall order? I mean, he's been leading folks around that have been, uh, I mean, one whole generation has been meandering out there in the miserable desert for 40 years, getting nowhere, and now God has brought them to Jordan and looking at Jericho, and how many of you know Jericho was a big old wall? <laughs> Here is something that I don't think is doable. I don't know that I can get this done. I don't know that if I muster all I've got to muster that I can make this happen. I don't know whether you ever face challenges in your life that you know good and well. I don't, I'm not big enough for this. I can't handle this. I don't even know what to think about it. <laughs> so I like, I like uh, Joshua's class. You know, he's out here looking at, uh, right, actually, at the foot of the wall. And, he's, and I don't know how wide, big, tall this wall is. You can Google it and get different deals. But, I mean, it wouldn't matter if it was a six-foot picket fence. He, he had a problem. <laughs> he had a challenge because he's leading an army that had never even uh, – conquered a bunch of cockroaches much less a trained army in a walled city and so he's out here doing this number what in the world what in the world what in the world and all of a sudden there's this pre-incarnate christ and josh i mean he's a military man and so when somebody like this dazzles right there in front of you <laughs> did you come to take our side or did you come to take their side and jesus said i didn't come to take sides i came to take over and I'm going to tell you that what I want you to see, Joshua, this is in chapter 6, verse 2. Josh, what I want you to see is not that wall and not that trained army and not that challenge that you can't conquer, but I want you to get a vision of me, and then I want you to see you like I see you. Hello? Because the key is not just to see Jesus, but to get such a bright vision of Jesus that we see ourselves like he sees us because the predecessors had seen themselves as grasshoppers. And what Jesus wants you to see today is not only are you a conqueror, but you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. How many of you like that? I'm not just a conqueror. Now, there's a whole lot of days I would just be tickle pink to just be a, a, just, you know, a garden variety conqueror. <laughs> I mean, I'm not wanting to leap through any troops or leap over any walls or run down anybody. I'd just like to make it through the, <laughs> through the day. But you know what he said? I don't know what you believe. I believe, I'm telling you, he said, you can see yourself as more than a conqueror through the power of the Spirit and Jesus in your vision. Big time in your vision. <laughs> I used to be puzzled about what that more than conqueror meant until I read a story about Muhammad Ali, the first guy that they say won a million-dollar purse by knocking somebody out. 
And Pastor, I, I never have wanted to be knocked out, but I thought, man, if somebody knocked me out for a million dollars, I'd <laughs> give it a whirl. <laughs> be my Larry Moore luck, it'd kill me. <laughs> but it would happen pretty much like what it did with Muhammad Ali because they said he brought the check home, gave it to Mrs. Ali, and she cashed it and spent it all. <laughs> he was a conqueror. She was more than a conqueror. Can I tell you quite candidly that on the cross of Christ, Jesus Christ overcame the devil, lock, stock, and barrel, put the devil under his feet. <laughs> you buy what I'm telling you. He put the devil and put his heel right on Satan's noggin. How many, you know what I'm talking about in the Bible? It's in the Bible. He overcame him. I, I, I like what I, you know, I've wondered how that actually happened. And I've, I've, I've thought sometimes it might have been, it might have been like my mother. She had phrases for me and names for me. And sometimes when she said, Larry Don Moore, I knew <laughs> that the wrath of Khan was about, <laughs> that the Board of Education was about to be applied to the seat of learning. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but my mom had a word for me that was kind of a, a colloquial term that some of our friends used for their dogs. She wasn't being disparagingly of me, but it was, it was a highfalutin, uh, real complicated uh, phrase. It was him. I don't know whether y'all have ever heard him or not. <laughs> but when she said him, <laughs> oh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, have mercy on me. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I believe on the cross of Christ, Jesus said to the devil, him, <laughs> and put him right down there and overcame the power of Satan. So what I'm saying to you today, biblically based, is that we today are not moving toward a victory. We are moving from a victory. And it is important and imperative in these catastrophic days that you see yourself as Jesus sees you. As more than a conqueror. And not what those old tapes say and those peer pressure powers say. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you, friend, this people here... They had been wandering a, a whole generation, messing around out in the desert simply because they refused to claim the promise. Now, you can know about the promise and let it ride, or you can know about the promise and claim it by faith. Hello? I mean, you know, you got to do more than come out of Egypt and cross the Red Sea and get cleansed. That's just the starting point. I see a lot of people, or it seems to me, that, that they're just totally sad. Now, how many of you know, I'm not belittling that. You've got to get cleansed. There's no doubt about that. That's, the, that's Christianity 101. But I'm telling you, you've got to do more than come out of Egypt and cross through the Red Sea and get cleansed. You've got to come to Jordan and get across the Jordan and do what God has meant for you to do with that gifting that he has deposited in you. Amen. Yes. I mean, I, I heard a story about this one guy. He said that a lot of Christians are like, like an old clunker that goes to the car wash. And the clunker goes in a dirty clunker. And when it comes out, it's just a clean clunker. <laughs> that's the only difference. Can I tell you, that's not what happens. When you come out of Egypt and come through the Red Sea, you're supposed to go on and cross Jericho, and you don't come out just to cleanse clunker. While you're in there, honey, he puts a big high-powered engine named the Holy Ghost inside you, and he gives you a new exterior. And he, How many of you come out brand new? How many of you know we are today challenged 
to conquer what God has set before us. Listen to me. There's more of what's going on here in the dynamic of, in, of, of the world than just having a meeting here and calling it the Ridge at Park Hill. How many of you know we're in a warfare with the devil? And this is a spiritual warfare. How many of you believe with me? I'm serious. How many of you believe the gospel is the hope of the world? Not one of multiple choice. The gospel is the hope of the world. Because I'm going to tell you, there's no way we're going to fix the human problem. How many of you know we have a huge human problem in this world today? And it's more than just something coming out of China. I mean, th there is a huge problem in this world today. And I'm going to tell you, we're not going to fix the human problem until we fix the human being. Because the heart of the human problem is a problem of the human heart. And you're not going to change the human being until you change the heart. And I don't know of any power in the world that can change the human heart but the gospel of Jesus Christ transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did he change you? I'm going to tell you, he flat out changed me. First thing happened to me, Pastor Jeremy, I got my want-to fixed. I mean, you know, we really need a, a, an overhaul on our want-to when we come to the Lord. And then I found out I had more want-to than I had can-do. <laughs> so I got under the spout where the Holy Ghost comes out, and I got some can-do. And ever since, I've been reading this Bible, figuring out the how-to. But can I tell you, dear friend, if you got the right want-to and the right can-do and the right how-to, the devil can't win and the child of God can't lose. We are more than conqueror. Let's just give him a praise. Just give him a praise. It's to him. It's all about him. He's the one that's done it all. He's the one that's done it all. <laughs> and I'm sure glad he did. And I don't know how to, to encourage you enough to understand just how vital you are, really. And I'm not, I know this is a political season, but I'm not running for anything. And as far as I know, I'm not running from anything because I put it under the blood. So this is not a political or a need-your-approval statement. It's just a flat-out facts. There's no way I can get overkill on telling you just how vitally important you are to the solving of the problems of this world because the global problems we have today, the hope of solving them is the gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of how overly simplistic that seems to you because you're not going to change people by coercing them or by just educating and re-educating them or by financially maneuvering them, you're going to have to change the human heart and get them to want to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you believe the gospel can do that? How many of you believe the gospel is the hope of the world? I'm not leading you down a primrose path. I'm telling you, I believe that. I wouldn't be standing here hollering at you if I didn't really believe that. How many of you believe this local church is the hope of the gospel? See, there you go, and I'm not trying to trap you. I'm just saying the local church. I don't know of any other way we're going to get the gospel. I mean, Jesus picked out this idea of the church. It wasn't a bunch of preachers that didn't have enough sense to make a living any way else to, but to call it a church. Jesus formulated the church. I get a little tired of these people bashing and trashing the church. Hello? Uh, and I think Jesus would get a little tore up at you too because you're talking about his bride. I mean, you can put me down all you want to, but you go messing with my wife back there, I'm going to jack your jaw <laughs> in love, in Jesus' name, of course. Because <laughs> you don't mess with my wife. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you are a part. How many of you know you're a part of his glorious church? That everybody is somebody. Do you buy that? That everybody has a strategic role to play in his church, and the local church is the hope of the gospel.
And the gospel is the hope of the world. And you are the hope of the local church. So please take to heart what was said. It can't all ride on the pastor. Everyone needs to step up and know, I'm going to see Jesus big enough to know that we can conquer whatever the devil puts in our path. And I'm tired of the devil putting stuff in our path and us just trying to sidestep it. I think it's time we put him under our feet. Amen. I like what Jehoshaphat, I thank God. Just, <laughs> why don't you just do that? Just, <laughs> that's probably not anointed, but anyway, that's what I'd like to do. Wouldn't you like to? <laughs> I like what Jehoshaphat said in Second Chronicles 20 and 12. Our Lord God, we have no might against this company that comes against us. And we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I don't care if it's a disease or something in your anatomy that not only can they not cure, they can't even figure out what it is. I don't care if it's a family situation and you're in a relationship you don't know how to get in or get out of or which to do or whether you can't go back to that home anymore because there's a loved one gone. It's just hard to be there with grief. Or sometimes we say, Lord, will I ever get to where I don't run out of month money before I do month? <laughs> Can I tell you that whatever you're facing today, there is a Lord in heaven who wants to know who wants you to know He is with you and you are more than a conqueror when things come your way that you can't handle all by yourself. Aren't you glad for that? I am grateful. Because <laughs> I wake up every morning with, acu with an acute awareness. You're probably going to be asked a question today that you don't have a foggy idea of what the answer is. But aren't you glad Jesus is the answer? And that's not just an oversimplification. So would we focus our effort on seeing Jesus today when we face something that just has us knocked out pretty much? And then I would point to another one that we can f see Jesus dramatically when we face changes that we just can't seem to control. And I would give you, for an instance, Isaiah 6 and 1. Isaiah says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. So what's the backstory? The backstory is Isaiah had been having a great revival but it had been being bankrolled by a king named Uzziah. And the, the difficulty was that, was, that that Isaiah had had his fixation on Uzziah and not the Lord because he just felt like some other source than the Lord had to take care of what was going on in the church. And so this is not a political statement. and You can spin it however you want, but if we're not careful... We will get all upset when changes come that we seem like we cannot control. And we think, well, it's some political party or some political personage has to be in power for the church and for our lives to succeed and move forward. Can I tell you, it's a good time when we face changes that we can't control, that we get our eyes upon Jesus and know he is the one who said, I will build my church and he will build your life. Could, you, could I get a good amen right there that... We're not going to, I mean, I, we can't control some of these changes. And, and, and I'm not just talking about politics nationally or, or internationally. Or that, I mean, we can, I'm telling you, friend, your life can change with one email. Your life can change dramatically with one doctor's report. 
or your life can change <laughs> when you get your bank statement. <laughs> There's a whole lot of things that can dramatically change your life. But can I tell you what we need to do? When Isaiah got all discombobulated about God, how in the world are we going to do this? Uzziah up and died on us, and what are we going to do to bankroll this church? I'm glad he had enough sense to go to the house of God and get a fresh vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would make Jesus so real in your vision and in your life today that regardless of what the devil tries to do to change in your life and jerk the rug out from under you, you can know that you can look at Jesus who said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I do not... Ooh, I I will not change on you. Aren't you glad for that kind of a Lord? <laughs> I like one who will not change. Now, people change, and I change, and we change on each other. But I'm glad he said, I will not change on you. My Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I hang my hopes on that. He had no cradle, and he'll have no tomb. He is the forever I am. He had no mourning. And he'll have no evening. He is forever high noon. He'll never get any younger. He'll never get any older. He is forever the right now God. Fifteen trillion years ago is right now with him. Right now is right now with him. Fifteen trillion years from now is right now with him. What that means to me, friend, he knows the end from the beginning, and there's nothing that hell can conceive or concoct to bring against you that he's not already one up on the devil at and got an answer on its way before you even pray. Ooh, I like that. I like being Pentecostal because sometimes that helps me pre-pray. <laughs> no joke. I was, I was driving along. That's what I do for a living, mostly drive. I tell them it's the only thing me and Willie Nelson got in common on the road again. <laughs> but, <laughs> and and I, got a, I got to thinking about something the Lord had done for me, and I got to rejoicing. And I just almost had to pull on the side of the road. I thought, Lord, you did that for me, and I didn't even ask you. And before I could get that out of my mind, hardly, he said, oh, yes, you did ask me. And he brought me back to a time I'd been praying in the Spirit, and I didn't even know what I was praying about, and God knew I was going to need it, and so I'd been praying for it before I even knew I needed it, and God already had, Ooh, isn't that pretty good? <laughs> Would you say amen for that? That he is a God that will never be surprised. But let me tell you, regardless of what the devil is going to try to do to you and me is sucker us in to the same mentality that he's trying to get the world ensnared in, that men's hearts will fail them for fear of looking at the things coming upon them. Can I tell you, that's not the mode or the method Jesus wants you to live. He wants you to know you can hold to his unchanging hand, and he will never change on you. Do you buy that? I believe you do. I would point you to one in the New Testament, another example, and this one was the Apostle Peter. Because sometimes we not only face challenges we can't control or conquer and changes we can't control, but sometimes we face character issues that we just can't seem to get corrected. I don't know, just be plain vanilla and honest with you here, that there's, a, there, 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 there's times that I still struggle with some things in my life. Now, I can also be candid and tell you I'm not worried about my salvation. I got that down pretty strong. I mean, I'm not Baptist, but I pretty near am. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't believe I'm being saved, saved, or savedest. <laughs> He's going to pay me out on the installment plan. I hope he gets it done before Monday night at dark. Hello. <laughs> but I do have sometimes a little bit of a trouble with this thing called sanctification. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know what I'm talking about. Some of these things you just can't seem to. How many of you understand Peter had a little bit of trouble with some of his character sometimes? You know, he really did because, you know, he was pretty big in the New Testament church, but he still had some struggles. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be one of these, Jesus, all these other local yokels, they'll quit you, but not me. I'm in. And then a little girl says something to him about being over there at church at, <laughs> at the Ridge Sunday. <laughs> and he had a mad cussing fit. Hello. <laughs> but but what, what, what kept this guy who could not seem to get it all together and keep it all together going. Well, I could suggest to you the scripture found in 2 Peter 1 and 18. He said, we were with him on that Mount of Transfiguration, and our eyes saw him, and I've never been able to get that out of my mind. Please hear my heart when I say this. This is not a condemnation, condemning statement at all. But I wonder sometimes if people don't come to our services and like the high energy and like the fellowship and like the camaraderie, but they never really see Jesus. And I, I, this could be received as a tacky statement, but I can tell you that once I truly saw Jesus, I've never really been able to erase him from my mind. And I believe that's what Pete would say to you. Oh, I'm a good quitter. I quit. How many of you know when he said, I go fishing? He wasn't saying, I'm going to enter the Big Mouth Bass Tournament this weekend. He was saying, I'm done with this Jesus stuff. I saw them bury him. But can I tell you, I believe if you were to question, Peter, how did you keep on coming back? I believe he would simply say, I just could not get Jesus. When I'd go to try to go to sleep at night, there again he would be big in my face. And can I tell you, I hope you're hearing my heart. That one of the tricks of the devil, please hear me. I see him doing it to our Assemblies of God people all the time. You are still struggling with something, and so therefore you're not qualified to do something in the church or for the kingdom. Hello? You know, I mean, you, you, you're in the middle of a... Can I tell you candidly that if our Lord had to wait until we all reach sinless perfection that, to use us, he would never have anybody to use. I can tell you he'd have to shuck me. <laughs> I, don't, I, I will confess to you, I ain't got it all together all the time. Hello? <laughs> I've learned in my stage of life I have to pray before I get out of the bed. <laughs> and I had a day here a while back. I had one of them days, man, you just kind of woke up, you know, with the Lord right there with you. And, and I didn't really get goosebumps, but it was close. And then I had my prayer time and my time with the Lord and my music time. And, man, I'm amped up and ramped up and ribbed up and ready to go. And here we go and let's go. And I'm driving a little rock and everything was going super duper until I stopped at Walmart. <laughs> and I uh, went in there and I just had one of those, for instances, <laughs> when I don't know whether those people in front of me in line couldn't read or couldn't count because the sign plainly said 20 <laughs> items or less. <laughs> And I'm in a hurry, and by the way, I'm important. <laughs> and I didn't say anything loud enough they could hear it. <laughs> but when I got in the car, the Holy Spirit said, you ain't near as sanctified as you thought you were, Boogaloo. <laughs> Hello. How many of you know we face struggles in life? Can I tell you, hear me today, don't let 
the devil beat you back or beat you up or beat you down because you're still struggling with something, you step up and do what God has assigned you to do in this church and move forward with the kingdom of God because he will utilize How many of you believe that? We'll give him an applause. Amen. Amen. <laughs> there was a story about yesteryear when, when uh, cars were, automobiles were first coming out and this guy had bought a car and he was driving along on an old country gravel road, and it was a hot August day, and all of a sudden he quit on him. Of course, he didn't know he'd come from Sikkim about fixing it. So he's just sitting there, and this guy pulls up behind him in a real nice car and gets out and has on this fine suit, and he says, Sir, can I help you with your car? And he said, Well, I hope you can because I don't know anything about it. So he walked around to the front and popped the hood and said, Could you hit the starter? <laughs> Started right up. <laughs> so he walks back by this car, and this guy gets out and says, Sir, I just got to know. i got to ask you. You obviously a well-to-do man. You got a nice suit. You got a finer car than I have. Why would you stop on this hot August day and help me? You don't even know me. And he said, "Well, sir, my name is Henry Ford, and I created that car. And I just cannot allow or stand to see something that I created sitting at the side of the road not being utilized in the way that I created it to be. Can I convince you by the power of the Spirit that you are not an accident?" And you're not even an incident. You're a hand-designed Trinitarian creation. And he has a purpose. Ooh, somebody needs to know that. And a plan for your life. And regardless of how much time the devil would have you sitting at the side of the road, he wants you back on track today. Could you just see him today? See what, oh, somebody here needs to see what God sees in you. Man, I'm on something. I mean, something's on me about that. What, you know what I want you to do in the morning when you wake up? I want you to go in there in that mirror in your bathroom, and I want you to look in there at the mirror, and I want you to say, Behold, a blood-bought child of God. <laughs> and you tell that trash-talking devil to go take a hike because you are qualified to do something in the kingdom. Well, I see some of you are moving to the conclusion, so I better myself. <laughs> you know, I've been at this long enough to know it helps if we all get through at the same time. <laughs> I was at one place preaching, and I said, how long can I preach? And they said, well, you can preach as long as you want to, but we leave at noon. <laughs> and they did. So don't leave me, because I do want to share one final thing with you briefly, and that is sometimes we face circumstances that we just cannot comprehend. Not only challenges we can't conquer and changes we can't control and character concerns that we really seem to can't correct by ourselves, but he has to help us. How I many of you know he will help you correct those character concerns? And if you fall down 40 times, just get up 41. Amen. I'm, I'm on to something there. The Spirit is pr I don't care if it's 70 times 7 in one day. I don't believe he'd ask Peter to do something he wouldn't do himself. And if you get up, if you fall down 70 times in one day, but you get up 71, God sees that day as victory for you. So don't let the devil hoodoo you. And then I give you John in the Gospel of John and in the book of Revelation that John was out on the Isle of Patmos uh, in solitary confinement. Nobody, as far as we know, he was all alone, and really all he had done was preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's why he was there. And he's an older fellow now, 
And I can tell you that he's probably beat down a little bit because here is circumstances, Lord, that I just don't comprehend. I mean, you know what the devil will try to do to you? He will try to hook you on the horns of a false dilemma. Either God is not all-powerful or he's not all-loving. Because if he was all-powerful and all-loving, he wouldn't be allowing the devil to eat your lunch right now like he is. How many of you will witness with me that sometimes some very bad things happen to some very good, godly people? Dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's. And here's John. And go there with me in your, in your imagination for a moment. An older fella. And he's not being utilized at all in the kingdom of God. I mean, he could say, Lord, what's up with this? I mean, I'm your man. It was my head on your chest at that supper when everybody else was saying, is it I? I didn't have to say that because I knew I was true. And by the way, Lord, I was the last one of your disciples to leave your cross, and I was the very first disciple to get to your tomb. And more than that, Lord, I took care of your mama till she died. Now, what's up with this? that all of the wisdom and knowledge and experience and all of the contributions I've made to your kingdom, and now I'm isolated out here on this island by myself and nobody gives a rip. I don't know whether John was enough like me or not, but I can tell you that there ain't nobody can have a pity party like a Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> uh, don't say that three times real fast. <laughs> But I can tell you, I got a feeling that he was just kind of thinking, oh, that, you know, I ought to be pastor of First Assembly at Ephesus. That big church down there where that young whippersnapper, Timothy's pastor, he don't know, come here from Sikkim about pastoring. And here I've got all this wealth of knowledge and I could really help somebody. What's up with this, Lord? But I like what actually comes out of this circumstance that he could not. How many of you know we're going to face some circumstances that don't make a lick of sense? Amen. But what we got to do in that moment is John said, well, this is the Lord's day. So what I'm going to do, even though I don't comprehend this at all, I know what my purpose and the practice I need to do is, and that's I need to get in the spirit. Even if I'm all by myself, I'm going to move to getting in the spirit on the Lord's day. Can you move in the spirit now? Can we definitely just make up our mind right here at the close of this service? I'm going to move into the Spirit here on the Lord's Day. Because when John did that, he said, I heard a voice behind me. And he said, when I turned, it's a strange translation. Because said, when I turned, to, I saw the voice. <laughs> and he went, said, when I saw the voice, I saw one in the midst of the seven candlesticks clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hair were white like wool, his eyes were as a flame of fire, his feet like undefined brass burning in a furnace, his voice was as the sound of many waters, his countenance was as the bright effulgence of the sun shining in his strength. When I felt, saw him, I, laid it, I fell down as a dead man, he laid his right hand on me, whoa, and said, get up from there, I once was dead, yeah, but I'm not dead anymore, I'm alive and I'm alive forevermore, and I've got the keys of of hell and of death. Glory. Woo! 
You know, it has always amazed me. People want to follow the devil, and he don't even have the keys to his own place. <laughs> that don't make sense. Amen. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Are you glad that in the midst of the most com confusing circumstances, hold on to this, in the time of the most contradictory, incomprehensible circumstances, came the greatest revelation of Jesus Christ that has probably ever been given. So if you're in the middle of circumstances that are just not making any sense at all to you, hang on, because you're about to get a revelation of Jesus Christ. Boom, somebody needs to know that. You're about to get a revelation of Jesus Christ like you've never had before. How many of you will receive that? Would you stand and just lift your hand right now and say, Lord Jesus, I receive right now that revelation, that vision. I turn my eyes on you. I deliberately and intentionally and intensely focus my vision on you. I ask you, Lord, to come by the power of the Spirit and fill my eyes and my heart with the Lord Jesus so high and lifted up that I will not be afraid of the things the devil is trying to terrorize and traumatize me with, but I will lift up my eyes and see Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Could you just praise him? Could you just focus right now on his good, on him, not me, on him, Lord. I just thank you this morning for the vision, for the fresh vision that we would see Jesus larger than life, larger than the devil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say this with me. I will not. Say it out loud. I will not. Let fear hypnotize me. I will not. Let fear neutralize me. I will not. Let fear paralyze me. Because greater is he that is in me than is he that is in the world. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Could you lift your hand and praise him right now as pastor comes to conclude this service? Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We invite you to be part of our online community by subscribing to this podcast. Also, follow us on social media at The Ridge Assembly PH on Facebook and Instagram. If you live in the central Arkansas area, we certainly invite you to be part of our live community. You can join us Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at the Old Park Hill Elementary Building. That's at 3801 JFK Boulevard in North Little Rock. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.